0: That was awesome. That was awesome. Today we're going to teach back in the same passage I've been the last two weeks. And uh, I had a staff member this week that said, Chuck, how in the world are we supposed to think that there's something new on Luke chapter 2? You've been there in two weeks. I mean, you've preached overtime in both of those. And now you're going to go back for week number three. And the answer is absolutely that's what I'm going to do especially if somebody remembers to bring out the pulpit where my notes are. <laughs> Cue, bring out the pulpit. There we go, okay. I knew it was coming somewhere. And Thanks, buddy. Oh, it. I messed up that one. Okay, my bad. My bad. Thanks for amazing grace, though, buddy. That was good. I, uh, I read a story this week about a uh, an old Jewish man lived in Jerusalem, and... Uh, Every day for 27 years, he went to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, and he prayed for several hours every day. And uh, so, like, like most every day in Jerusalem, there are plenty of reporters there because there's always something going on in Jerusalem. And this one reporter from the London Times watched this same man for for, for the days that she were there, day after day, go to the Wailing Wall and pray. And he'd be there for hours each day. And uh, she finally had up enough courage. She walked over to me and said, what is it like and what do you pray for? And how long have you been doing this? And he said, well, I come here every day. I've been coming for 27 years, every day for hours. And I've been praying for reconciliation of the people in this region. And the, uh, and the reporter said, well, how do you feel after all that time because there's still such conflict between the peoples of this region? And, and quite simply, he didn't miss a beat. He looked at it and he said, well, it's like talking to a wall. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're just, you're just talking to a wall? I think sometimes that's the way our prayers feel. Sometimes I feel like our prayers just, okay, they, they bounce off that acoustical ceiling and come back. And every now and then, when you, when you want somebody to pray for you, I mean, you always pick somebody out. Like, don't many of you know, like, when I really need somebody to pray for me, there's somebody in mind say I'm going to go ask them if they pray for me. Like, there's some people who feel like, okay, if I, could get the, if I could get the preacher to pray for me, he's got a little more juice in his, this is going to be good. Or, you know, I know I, if I go ask Miss Betty, she's going to pray, you know, because I can count on her. But all of us need somebody when we go to them and say, I wanna know that that person's actually gonna pray. Because it, it's, it's it commonplace in church today that when somebody shares with us going on, the answer for a lot of us is put an arm around somebody, tap them on the shoulder and say, I'll pray for you. And then the fact is they're out of sight, out of mind, and we don't really know what to do with them next. And I, I believe that uh, Joseph gives us a picture of what to do and next Sunday, I want to unpack a lot of that so that we can, you can rest and figure out who is it that you could actually go and pray, have somebody pray for you, and are you the person that somebody might want to seek you out so that they might pray for you? Because I can't think of a greater compliment, can you? That somebody might seek you out and say, hey, would you be the person that prays for me? Like I look over in Danny, I said, Danny, would you pray for me? I, I, I believe Danny would pray for me. I believe he's that kind of person. But when I think about that, I, I think, boy, what a great time, the Sunday before Christmas, think about the gift you might have for somebody that you would actually go before the Father for them. So please don't miss next Sunday as we head into that. So let's go back to Luke 2 today. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep and suddenly an angel of the lord appeared among them and the radiance of the lord's glory surrounded them they were terrified but the angel reassured them don't be afraid he said i bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people and you know over the last couple weeks we made a big deal of those three good news which is the gospel which is jesus coming leaving heaven wrapped in Human skin and coming and being born in that manger. So we know that it is good news that brought great joy There's a reason for us to be jolly and that he has come for all people and Proves that by going to the to the lowest class of society at that time the shepherds And then the text goes on and says the Savior Yes, the Messiah the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David And you will recognize him by this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You know, we we do sing, how many of you have heard that song this year, "'Tis the season to be jolly?" You know, you know that sort of and, and when they sing it, you can almost laugh with it. it. When you hear it this week, like when you get in your car, go ahead and pull it up on a playlist somewhere and just see if you can sing that without smiling. You know, tis the season to be jolly. I mean, you could do it, I suppose. I mean, you could, could tis the season to be jolly. I mean, you could go at it that route. And don't you know people that have been that way this week? Everywhere I go, I hear people say, tis the season to be jolly. I got to put up all this junk. And, I mean, how many of you had a blessed time putting up your tree this year? Okay, how many of you say, what a pain in the neck it is fool, the Christmas tree. Okay, so like we went and got our first tree, right? So we go to this lot, we're trying to support this this group and I buy a tree and it looks good on the lot. And I'm thinking, whatever, you know, buy the tree, pay the dude, throw it back of the truck, haul it in. And you know, it's all, always awesome here in Georgia when you do a tree because outside it's like 40 degrees and the wind's blowing and there's mist, you know, and that'll bless you. And then you go inside and the heat is up so you're, you're dressed you know, for the outside, you go inside, and it's set at 70. So then I start sweating like a pig, and then I try to put it inside the, the stand. And then I realize, oh, man, I don't have a stand big enough for this tree because the, the stump on this tree goes just like this. <laughs> and so Jen is like, you got to get the tree done before you go. You're going to be gone for, you know, okay, got to put it down. And I can't get this thing to stop leaning to save my life. And so I'm thinking to myself, I ain't fooling with this tree again. And I'm frustrated with the trees. Like, I wanna get rid of the dumb tree, save my life. So I go get duct tape. Uh, You can fix anything with duct tape. So I'm holding the tree up and I am pulling duct tape around the bottom, taping down the the Christmas tree holder, trying to keep it from pulling. And it's pulling with all its might against the duct tape. And Jen says, when our grandkids get here, that tree better not be falling on the grandbabies. I got it, babe. So then, put this preacher mind to work, I go out in the garage and get bungee cords. Because if you can fix it, if you can't fix it with duct tape, you can fix it with bungee cords. So I get me three bungee cords. I strap those bad boys around in different places, realize I need a few more, and now I've gone and gotten one of those huffy come-alongs. You know what a come-along is, right? It's a, it's a strap with your ratchet, you know, so I get me a come-along now. And I've got it strapped to the bookcase. And I'm thinking, who's the man, right? And here's the problem, I walked away from it and the bookcase is pulling away from the wall. And I'm thinking to myself, tis the season to not be jolly. So I'm running late, I leave, Jen is not happy and I've gotta be at church for stuff and it's about 11.30 that morning and she sends me a picture, no text, just a picture of how that tree is now in the back of her Honda CRV. Now, you may miss the subtlety of this, but when Jenny puts a full nine-foot Christmas tree in the back of a Honda CRV, and I receive the picture of said tree, I realize one thing. I am in so much trouble. 'Tis the season to be in an argument. Some of our Christmas can get sideways, can't it? Some of you are already dreading that one person that has to come to your Christmas breakfast or lunch every year. Some of you are dreading Christmas because it's a miserable time and you're alone or you're broke or life has just beat you up and it's, it's hard to find jolly. I read a study this week in a survey, 45% of Americans said they dread Christmas. So Christmas is not always the season of perpetual joy for everybody. For a lot of folks, it can be sad and depressing and The Bible gives us an understanding of an assignment, though, about us being jolly. I mean, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But I don't always find that easy. Like at the moment, I was not thankful for that tree. I I was not thankful for the trunk of that tree. I was not thankful for the bungee cords that didn't work, nor was I pleased with the come-along that pulled the bookcase with it. I wasn't happy with it and I wasn't there because there are difficulties in this life and I think, it's, I think it's important for us to recognize that Christmas shares the difficulties of life. We tend to think that Christmas is always about the presents or goodness or happiness or joy. If you, if you sing enough Christmas songs, you would assume everybody's having a holly jolly Christmas. But the fact is, a lot of us aren't. A lot of us are... are frustrated and striving in this. I had a lady not long ago said, Pastor, if I were alive in the first century, I could celebrate Christmas like Mary could too. And I was thinking to myself, well, well, hang on, before you trade in your Tahoe for a camel, let's go back and look at what was going on there. I mean, Joseph and Mary experienced some difficult times as a family. By the way, if you're wondering about these notes, you can open up the app and hit resources and you'll find message notes and right below it, you'll find the slides if you wanna use them later or you're welcome to take pictures of them while they're up. And there's a, a handy dandy little fill in the blank in the back of your, uh, of your, of your bulletin. But Christmas does share the difficulties in life. I want you to imagine Joseph and Mary, it it happens like this, the the angel has told Mary, you're gonna have a baby. And Mary says, but that's impossible. I haven't been with a man. And then after some time, then he tells Joseph. I mean, I want you to imagine the difficulties of that relation at that time. It's kind of like this, honey, you've been out on a two year deployment, we're having a baby. I mean, all of a sudden, things are not really quite as rosy as we picture a silent night and a holy night because Christmas shares the difficulties in life. I mean, maybe God was testing Joseph, but Joseph, being a righteous man, put her away quietly, And that speaks highly of him not wanting to embarrass her. But imagine the strain on their relationship. It's like, baby, you're going to have a baby, but we haven't been, hey, baby. And so now we have to travel. And as we travel, it's not going to be an easy travel, especially because you're pregnant, pregnant. And on the way, we're going actually to be counted, but not just to be counted, to be taxed. But now we're going to be taxed as a family. And before it was just me. And so this is not going to be good. Joseph and Mary experienced difficult times as a family joseph and mary experienced difficult times when it came to their finances i mean these were not wealthy people this was not one of those times where oh it's going to be a baby this will be good we're going to raise this baby oh man this is going to be a special time the family must have been radically freaked out i mean imagine if you're mary's dad and mary comes to dad and says hey dad i'm expecting a child what well who is the father well sit tight dad it's god now if you're that dad how are you how are you handling the holidays is it a holly and a jolly time for you i mean seriously when i look at this i realize they had a difficult time in finances they had a difficult time as a family and i believe they had difficult times of frustration they had to have had times they had to deal with fear they had to deal with loneliness they had to deal with worry and rejection They had to deal with an entire world that couldn't comprehend how could a virgin give birth to God's son? Karl Barth, an an old-timer theologian referred to the incarnation of God as he put on human skin and came as Emmanuel, God with us. He said, this is the impossible possibility. What a great statement. It's the impossible possibility that God would step out of heaven and come and yet be in the difficulties of our life. There was a, a mom and you could tell she was wearing uh, thin cotton clothes. It didn't have much thread left to it. And the shoes had gotten pretty beat up and she was holding the hand of her little daughter. And the little daughter, you could tell the toes were worn out of those little kid's t shoes and, tea, uh, and those tennis shoes and, and her clothes were pretty rough. And you could tell they hadn't had a bath in a few days and they needed a hot meal. And they stood outside of this department store and as, the, as they looked into the beautiful window in that department store, they saw a manger scene and thought what a beautiful thing because the gold was there and and the gifts were there and Mary as we portray her was looking radiant and beautiful and she had lipstick and makeup on and she had her lashes done and even her brows had got an uplift and everything was just right and that little girl squeezing her mom's hand said you know what I bet Mary didn't have a hard time at Christmas like us mama Listen, folks, let us understand what Christmas is about. Let no one leave our church thinking the incarnation has nothing to do with the troubles of this life. It has everything to do with the troubles in this life. Jesus stepped out of heaven to get into this filth and this meth because we have troubles. And Jesus, my friend, did not come to get you out of trouble. Jesus came to walk through trouble with you. Maybe you didn't hear me. Jesus did not come to keep you out of trouble, Jesus came to walk through the trouble with you. Why can't y'all just do that the first time? (laughs) Christmas shares the difficulties of life, but listen to me, friend, Christmas shares the declarations of life. I mean, Christmas shouts loud and clear. The shepherds heard the declaration of hope. Fear not, I bring you good news. I mean we could use a little good news couldn't we i mean my stars turn on any news channel you want and you would think the sky is falling and in the middle of this jesus came with a declaration of hope the shepherds heard the declaration of hope but listen to me they heard the declaration of forgiveness a savior is born for who for all people what will he save us from he will save us from our sin The question I'd have for you is, have you heard and have you accepted, have you acted on this declaration of hope and forgiveness? You see, Jesus came because we needed a Savior. And by the way, he didn't come just for people in the first century. He came to split time in half that we might have forgiveness for our sin. That same Jesus who sits by the right hand of God the Father today— wants to give you his christmas gift of his holy spirit and he gives that to you freely when we trust him by faith because christmas shares in the declaration of life the single greatest declaration of all time sounded just like this if you want to you can call on the name of the lord and be saved and you can say well Chuck I don't know how to do that that sounds like such a church term call on the name of the Lord well now watch this stick with me here for just a second if today you'd say I want to call on the name of the Lord I want that declaration of forgiveness I need it and I want to be as sure for heaven as if I were already there then that declaration and that calling on the Lord sounds just like this Jesus come into my life and forgive me I made a mess I want to live for you. I want my life to turn around and follow you. Thanks for dying for me, raising from the dead for me to pay for my sin. And friend, if that's the desire of your heart, I promise you when you say that within your heart and you mean it with all of your being, the God of all creation reaches down into your soul, gives you a new heart and implants into you the spirit of the great forgiver, Jesus the Lord. Now we may celebrate him this season as the baby that came, but you can celebrate him today as the spirit of God as it indwells your soul and your heart and gives you direction and peace because Christmas declares the declarations, the beautiful declarations of life. The shepherds heard the declaration of hope. They heard the declaration of forgiveness, but they also could have a meaningful relationship with God. I love this. The shepherds heard that they could enter into a meaningful relationship with the creator. Now, I I don't know what kind of church you grew up in or what kind of faith system you had, But this one statement to me makes up the entire good news of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus came not so he could build a wall between us and God, not so that we would have to have some type of mediator other than him. You don't need to come to me for absolution of sin. You you don't need to chant. You, You don't need to cry out. You need to come one way by faith to receive grace which you cannot earn and you cannot buy. And Jesus came that you might have that meaningful relationship with God. And you say, well, but Chuck, what kind of relationship are you talking about? Well, watch this. I believe Christmas also shares the dynamics of life. And when Christmas shares the dynamics of life, it's because the shepherds discovered the good news in the routine of life there's a, a lady that was decorating her home and she, uh, she got all the stuff out of the attic and she had it all laid out. And it's like our house, I mean, Christmas explodes on our house and, and each year I think I'm gonna get rid of at least two boxes that Jenny's not gonna know about so we don't have to do it next year and and this lady had one of those kind of situations she finally found her her perfect and beautiful manger scene and she was putting it on the right place where the lights and the candles could see it and the glimmer and the shine was perfectly right and she reached down and she picked up that little that little mold of of the baby jesus about that big the 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 one that's got blonde hair he was jewish he was chubby he was jewish He had blue eyes. He was Jewish. But there he was. And she took him out, and she set him down there. And instantaneously, in her own life, she thought, oh, my. The only time this year that I have cared that much about Jesus was when I put him up as a baby. And she stopped. And she called on the name of the Lord and instantaneously, wonderfully, gloriously saved instead of when christmas is over she put jesus back in a box she finished christmas and she kept jesus in her heart maybe that's where you're at today maybe in the routine of life you might find that wait a minute jesus cares about my routine he is found in my routine but he's also found in the religion of life and the religion i mean the the shepherds were religious people i mean the, the shepherds had a faith system I mean, everybody's got a faith system. I mean, if you're watching online or you're in the room and you say, well, I don't, I don't believe in this God. Well, you have a faith system. You just believe in a faith where there's no God. I mean, the shepherds knew how to be religious. The problem was religion wasn't what they were in desperate need of. They were in desperate need of God's love. I mean, the fact is we, we need God's love. Why would God go through all the trouble to do Christmas to take the second part of the Godhead and send Jesus his only Son, why would he put him in this mess? Why would he allow him to be mocked and scorned and beaten? Why would he allow him to be crucified? Why would God go through all of that to move us from religion to relationship? He created us so he could express his love in you, not just for you, but in you you see first we are objects of god's love that's why he would do that we are objects of god's love he expresses his love and his character to us when we call on the name of the lord the lord wants you to draw near to him this is what i love about christmas the story doesn't stop with a birth the story continues in 2018 with us drawing more in love with the god who longs for us to love him second god redeems and pursues us and you know what happens he does that to accomplish his work through us he doesn't need us but he lets us play ball on his field i mean think about it shane god picked you with that grandbaby to say i'm going to use you to love on her and i'm thinking to myself you're good at that bless you man don't swallow those things get rid of them Man, if you've swallowing those things you're going to burst one of these days just let it rip you got another one in you Okay, all right. Listen, the shepherds also encountered the Savior and the rigors of life. This was hard work. They were out there. They, they weren't just hanging out and singing Christmas carols, man. I mean, they, they were nasty. They had been working. But he's seeking the kind of interaction that reaches into our everyday grind. He wants an intimacy with us. He wants the kind of intimacy that literally is into me see. When you get that close to someone, you tend to learn a lot about yourself because you can see yourself in their eyes. And you know what else? That you realize that you were created for more than what you're living for. You say, well, Chuck, how can I know for sure that God wants that kind of relationship with me? Well, consider how the Lord created you. He formed you in his image and in his likeness with intellect and emotions and a will that provides a platform for which you can relate to God, your creator. He created you in such a manner for one reason, so you could know him in the deepest part of your being personally and intimately because Christmas shares the decisions in life as well. God decided to send his own son to this earth to be our savior. Listen, friend, if Jesus, God incarnate, gave his life so that we could be saved and experience a profound relationship with him, shouldn't we be willing to pursue what he offers us? If I could tell you today, you can have a wonderful counselor, one that has a solution for every problem. If I could say to you that you could have full access 24 7, 365, to a mighty God, the one who flung creation into space. If I could tell you that you could have access to an eternal father that would never last and it would end never, it would last forever. Your relationship with a perfect daddy would last in heaven forever. And if I knew that I could give you the Prince of Peace, wouldn't you receive it? Wouldn't you take that? Wouldn't you take it, especially when you knew it was free, that it cost him everything, but you, all you had to do was come to him by faith and receive his grace? Wouldn't you say yes to that? You see, Jesus and Mary and Joseph and Mary all came together, and now we have a family that had chosen Jesus would indeed be Lord. Listen to me, friend. It was a decision. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, it says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus, and then it uses these two words, in baptism. You know, the Christian life is covered with decisions most of life is a decision one way or the other and for many of you you over the past few weeks we've had dozens of people that would stand up or raise their hand and say i'm in i want jesus i have called on his name with you chuck i'm ready then that decision might be but i want to follow jesus and believers baptism like this precious little girl was earlier today and we'll say well chuck i uh, crowds they they scare me you can't see anybody back there you just know there's people because they clap and i guess i would ask you then what is it you're waiting on The scriptures say we are joined with christ in jesus in baptism we joined him in his death for we died and were buried with christ by baptism and just as christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father now we also may live new lives it is this simple while i stand there in water i realize jesus has died for me and when he died they buried him and yet he rose from the dead and someday because i've called on the name of the lord someday because i know the decision of life Happens because of Christmas that I will indeed someday die. There's a hundred percent chance you're gonna die But as a follower of Christ you can picture Jesus death and his burial and His resurrection you say well, is it necessary? No, it's not you can go to heaven without getting baptized There's nothing in scripture that says you have to but in the decision of life why not take that first step of obedience to follow Jesus So I guess the the decision that's left is kind of like the shepherds, would you go and see? And they hurried along. When the angel told Mary, I mean, she didn't really have a lot of choice, but she could choose the attitude. When the angel came to Joseph, the decision came, and I want to honor what God said. When the decision came to Herod, though, he refused him. The king consigned himself to a life of death and misery. The innkeeper, well, he was too busy with the affairs of business and finance. but. What will you do with Jesus in the decisions of life? When Christmas becomes a part of the decision in your life, like right now, So friend, if you want to be loved and respected, if you long to feel security and peace and acceptance, if you want your life to mean something important and feel you're truly making a difference, if you yearn to understand why you were created and fulfill your purpose, if you desire to experience true power and strength in this life, then set yourself to knowing God in the most profound and intimate way that he created you and saved you to experience. But don't Wait, Christmas has come for you. Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful that Christmas came. That Christmas came in the presence of Jesus the Lord. And God, I cannot help but believe that there are people online, there are people on Facebook, there are people in this room Lord, I believe there'll be people that will listen to this over the next week or two. And in every single person, God, would you bring forth the decision in life that Christmas brings them right now? Do I choose Jesus as Savior? Do I choose Jesus as Messiah? Do I choose Jesus to be the Lord of my life? And if the answer to that, my friend, is yes, even if you don't understand everything there is to know, the answer is yes. I want that Prince of Peace. I want that Mighty God. I want that Everlasting Father. I need that wonderful counselor. Then it's this simple. Just say this quietly in your own heart. If you wanna say it out loud or you wanna shout it, I don't care. Jesus, would you come into my life and forgive me? Thank you for dying for my sin Thank you for raising from the dead for me. God, I want to live my life and follow you. I want to turn around and stop following my own. I want to follow your dream for my life. Would you be my mighty God? Would you be my wonderful counselor? Would you be my everlasting father? And would you be my prince of peace? heads bowed and eyes closed friends if if you said that's my prayer right now and I want to settle that because Christmas has come to my life I want to ask you just stand wherever you're at all it takes is somebody just have the courage to stand amen come on don't wait I'm not gonna drag this on forever you want to give you want to say I want to settle it right now just stand I don't want to make it easy for you just stand Wherever you're at, this is for me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. Man, I'll come find you. What courage. Lord, we love you. We celebrate you this Christmas. There is no other. Come comfort our heart. Let our hearts be jolly. Because Christmas came. In the name of Jesus, we praise you for that. Amen. Come on, let's worship him. so pretty man christmas came for you everybody christmas came for you man i got to tell you i want i want to jump in this ending but i want to tell you one thing before i am so confident in the power and the presence of christ In my own life and I have heard and seen and felt him move in ways that truly gave me the wonder of the impossible impossible possibility my friend let the impossible possibility cause you to take this next step to follow Jesus in believers baptism you say but Chuck it's just water I know but your action to follow what Christ did and what he told you to do is so powerful. Christmas came for you. I, I wanna urge you, if you haven't followed Christ and believers baptism, or if you think, man, I don't even remember when or why I did it, it would be one of the greatest honors of my life to baptize you in one of those Christmas Eve services or even next Sunday. And if you'll just let us know, I mean, write it on a card in the back, see me at the meeting group, tell an usher to get your name and number to me. I promise you it'll be one of the greatest blessings of your life, especially on a Christmas Eve. And I want you to experience that. So today, as you let that Jesus that brought that decision in life, let him go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight because that is what he does. And that Jesus will go within you if you'll allow him so that you might have peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. Come on, that is good. And when the world has just beat the crud out of you and there's nowhere to turn, Jesus comes along and says, hop on my back. Not to carry around the mess, but through the middle of it. Only so he can set you down victoriously on your two feet. Away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you because Christmas came for you and you get to hear your Savior as he came for you. Look at you in the eye and say, say it with me, I love you. God bless you. Go to peace.